Hey everyone, it's the 6th of September, 2022, and this is episode 10 of season two of the More Math for More People podcast. Cheers. everyone. I'm Misty. And I'm Joel. And this is the More Math for More People podcast brought to you by CPM Educational Program. On this podcast, we discuss the CPM curriculum, trends in math education, and share strategies to shift instructional practices to create a more inclusive and student-centered classroom. We also highlight upcoming CPM professional learning opportunities and have conversations with math educators about how they do what they do. And we always try to have a little bit of fun and laughter as well. Indeed we do. So come and find out what shenanigans we're up to on this episode. Boom. All right. What is what is it today? So today is 6th of September. What is the national day today? Oh, the next one. Telephone Tuesday. Telephone Tuesday. What does that mean? Telephone Tuesday is officially a day notorious for surprisingly... More phone calls than usual. What? That there's just more call. <laughs> okay, I want to see the I want to see the data. Let's see here. This is you can't just make random claims like that. It's been uncovered that organized folks attempt to tackle their to do list on this day too. So inbound calls rise up to fifty percent on this day. Just on this particular Tuesday or just on Tuesdays? That's what it says. This is like the, literally the 6th <laughs> of <go> September Tuesday. <laughs> Why that day? Because it's the first Tuesday after Labor Day? Like, I don't, I don't, this seems, this seems kind of random. Yes. Actually, Labor Day is part of it. Is it always the first Tuesday after Labor Day then? It's not on September 6th always? Um, I mean, that would make sense. Yes, that's true. All right. Okay. Well, that, okay. I, I could believe that. I'd still like to see the data. Okay, by the numbers. I got the numbers right here. You got the numbers right there. <laughs> From as as uncovered by Rand McNally. So the first Tuesday after Labor Day, people just make phone calls because they're back to because they're back to business and phone calls are part of it. Well I like how it's like you said incoming yeah. phone calls go up. Exactly. Wouldn't outgoing phone calls yeah. also go up? In coming to what? I don't know. Well, do people no, even well, make phone calls anymore? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like, in, but I don't see how incoming phone calls go up without outgoing phone calls also going up. They're one to one. I'm just reading here. I get it. I get it. You're not responsible for the information that you're just spelling. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somehow I did. I felt responsible there for a minute. It says, let's see. Yeah, on this day, and it's about the Labor Day. It's about coming back. I mean, it's sort of you know in the in the in the olden days when all the schools basically started after Labor Day, which is not necessarily true anymore. That's true. Then I can see that, like all of a sudden, parents are calling, schools are calling. You know, so yeah. like everybody's back I, in the I office. Can see that right? too. Getting all your things. Trying to figure out what supplies you need to bring, or I don't know. It's sort of the first first dish of the month, so maybe. Mm-hmm. Utilities and things mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. need to be discussed. Yeah, totally. I know it gets pretty warm here, so maybe they're calling like your air conditioner. Or your- oh, okay. I was like, I didn't understand the relevance <laughs> of that for a second. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. all right. So it's Telephone Tuesday. So I mean, 
it seems kind of obvious. How are you going to celebrate, Joel? Are you going to just make a bunch of phone calls today? I'm I'm going to go down the list of in my contacts. I'm just going to. Are you going to start with A and just go to Z? Just start with A, go to Z. Oh, Actually, I, I, I'm not. I think I made that story up a little bit, but <laughs> if that I sounds were like a do good that, celebration. If I were going to do that, I'd want to do it randomly okay. in a random order, not for me. How would you keep track? Well, it was just because I could see, you know, like if it was just in a random order and I queue them up and just, oh, that's you know, I have, I've always been a little bit opposed to starting from A and going to Z, but then I also didn't like it when they're like, oh, we'll just go in reverse order from Z to A. Cause I'm like, I'm still in the middle. <laughs> oh, we'll use last names. I'm still in the middle. Yeah. So oh, I, was, yeah. I was always just like, ugh, You're always right was in the middle. I was like, why can't we ever start from the middle and go out? Mm-hmm. Well, cause it's more complicated, but it would still be more fun. I'd get to be at the front. I actually, I'm similar to you in that I'm kind of in the middle mm. both ways also, mm. but I enjoyed that because I always like to hear what other people had to say mm. first. Mm-hmm. And then. No, I occasionally just wanted to be at the, it was usually like we're lining up to go somewhere or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. And I was just wanted Well, to, like a lunch, yeah. yeah get out totally, of my way. Totally, yeah. No, I was always <laughs> in the middle of the line. Anyway, so it's Telephone Tuesday. Call people. Telephone Tuesday. Which in whichever way you want, randomly, A to Z, Z to A, or just, mm-hmm. or not. You, yeah. you know, you could decide to opt out of Telephone Tuesday because the lines are too busy. Absolutely. There you go. Okay, today we're here with Daryl Tressel and Rhonda Pierre. Welcome. Do you want to say a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, Daryl Trussell, and I work with CPM as a professional learning faculty. I do um, learning events. I support teachers in the classroom. I taught with CPM for about 10 years and used it in that uh, block schedule and on a regular schedule over that time. Nice. Thank you. Well, I'm Rhonda Pierre. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, too, am a professional learning specialist uh, with CPM, and I've had the pleasure and the opportunity to teach from CCA and CCA2. However, I only had a block schedule when I taught from CPM. Nice. Well, welcome. And that's exactly what we'd kind of like to talk about today is uh, your experience with block schedules. Yeah, this came up in some of the learning events recently that uh, a lot of people are wondering, how do I take the CPM lessons, which are written for like a 45 or a 50 minute period? And how do I modify them? And what do I do to teach on a block schedule, right? Whether it's every other day, or it's, and there's so many different kinds of block schedules mm-hmm. that can that can exist as length of time and how often you meet with kids. So why don't we start with like Rhonda and Daryl, why don't you tell us what kind of a block schedule you taught on? So I taught at the high school and I was on a AB rollover schedule, we called it. So we had 85 minutes, four classes each day. I was fortunate that when we first went to it, we had a prep both days. That's very unusual to have that Mm, much time. mm -hmm. So that was a big help. But I taught on that. I taught algebra one, pre-calculus and calculus in that block schedule. For me, we had an AB schedule as well, about 85 minutes. And so I would see, I knew certain class periods, I would see two days, one week, and then the following week, I would see them three days and vice versa. I too had um, prep on both days. So I was able to really sit down and work through things. Yeah, I think that's a really big advantage is being able to have prep on both days. I've worked at diff- with different schools and sometimes 
you know, they only have prep every other day or in various block schedules where they like only have a block on a Wednesday, Thursday kind of a thing, then the teachers one of those days wouldn't have their prep. So that's really, that's a great advantage. Joel, you taught on a block schedule for a while too. I did. I was was similar. A, A, B schedule. So I'd have the students every other day for 82 minutes. One of the things to just to remind everybody, if you don't know this, that we have the CPM has created some block schedule pacing guides that exist in for all the courses and they're in the ebooks. Oh, I'm going to have to look and see. They're in the, in the course preparation section under teacher, I believe. And it's a block scheduling pacing guide there. And there you can download them and you can, you know, fiddle with them. I think you can even, I don't remember if they're PDFs or if there's a spreadsheet version as well. But those are there and they're starting points. Mm-hmm. Daryl, Rhonda, what would you like? What would be your first piece of advice or suggestion for a teacher who's starting CPM and is teaching on a block schedule? Like, how should they approach their planning and their pacing? Well, as a new teacher, once I got the block schedule in my hand, I sat with my calendar to plan out like two weeks at a time. Then that led to two more weeks, but I would sit with my calendar. So I heavily, heavily relied on the block schedule. I tried to take all of the suggestions that they gave, including like review and preview. Sort of like the teacher notes, you just do what it says. And that's what I did. Yeah, I think definitely for a new teacher following that and give yourself some grace to not worry so much about, I've got to get from here to here. That's very important to follow that and trust that. And then you can make adjustments the following year. And did you find that, granted, you know, in the first years of doing things, everything's a little bit rough at times, but did you find that the block schedule allowed you with that A-B schedule to pretty much just, it says, okay, do these two lessons together and great, I tried to do them in that one period and then so on that you were able to sort of stick to that pretty reasonably? Yeah, you, you have to make some adjustments. So, sure. you know, the main thing is the the core problems. If you can really identify what your learning target is, and what your success criteria for that day, that really helps because you'll find that you don't have to get through all those core problems. If you can hit the learning target, that's the that's the goal. I was just thinking to have grace with my students, lessons that required them to do some type of presentation with the class. Because I was on block schedule, I just make adaptions there. I allowed my students to do the work and then we had our presentations. So I didn't put a time limit on them and rush them through. I literally let them work through so we could have ample time for presentations without rushing through them. Another thing I found helpful in the teacher notes was also in the course preparation, there's a timeline. And the timeline gave the number of lessons that were in each chapter. What was helpful about it was I could write down when I thought I would finish and when I actually finished a chapter. By actually having that on paper and looking at it really helped me to adjust to the block and see where, like Daryl was saying, look at those lesson targets or learning objectives and just how can I squeeze or expand? And that was helpful to me. It seems like one of the biggest struggles, I think, if I, you know, if I were thinking about looking at this block schedule and I'm approaching a lesson is if it's asking me to, or suggesting that I put two lessons together, right? Do lesson 213 and 214 in this class period. How do I go about planning for that? Like describe how you might go about planning or taking two lessons. Do I just, oh, in the first 40 minutes, I'm doing this and close. And then the second 40 minutes, I'm doing this. Or is there a different way of putting them together or combining those two things? How did you go about doing that? For me, the the nice thing was they did a really nice job 
most of the lessons they selected were kind of continuations of that previous days. So the mm-hmm. closure wasn't necessary to do after you finished lesson, whatever it was, and then move right into the next one. You just move right into the next one. The other thing that you need to notice is that most, all of the lessons have kind of a built-in launch, right? That first problem they give you goes back, refers back to the previous day's lesson. Well, you can, you're not referring back to that. So you can skip over that and dive right into the core problems. Absolutely. I don't have anything really to add to that. I did the same thing. And I was going to mention that I think CPM has done an excellent job with the block schedule, that all of those things are in the suggestions. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you when you need to close something or when you can just move forward, things that you may consider skipping. And even with the the time frame, they will tell you sometimes it's just one and a half lessons that you're going to cover. You may not even complete the second lesson. Mm -hmm. And so if you didn't complete the second lesson, then you just sort of do a closure in the middle of the lesson, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things that is was really eye-opening to, for me is thinking that closure is not like, okay, we've finished this idea and I'm wrapping it all up. It's just how can we kind of close up what we're doing before we walk out the door so that we can come back to it. That's where that success criteria comes in. So when you write that lesson plan, it doesn't matter. That's what I love about CPM. It doesn't matter where you finish as long as you get that closure in, right? And say, this is what you should take away from today. And then you can just pick up with wherever you left off the next day. Another thing that I hear uh, teachers say about the block schedule, it deals with the review and preview. Are, are they going to miss something because you haven't stopped to do that review and preview? Or are you going to combine them all together? How did you guys do that in your classes? Well, it, it recommends in the pacing in the block schedule, which review preview problems to do. But even with that, you might cut back depending on the workload of your students. The biggest issue when you cut back is to not, you want, you have a tendency to want to remove the previous material and try to stick with the current. And I would, I would discourage anyone from doing that. Try to continue to make that mixed space practice a goal, Mm -hmm. even if it means they get fewer reps on the current material, because Again, trust them, trust the curriculum. All those problems are going to come back later. Well, then that really lines up with that idea of mass practice versus space practice, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're only ever doing the current stuff, you're not actually getting that space practice. If I, if I de-emphasize the current and I'm always doing the review part, mm-hmm. then that current part's going to come back in the review part, right? right. Over mm-hmm. time. And, right. and that immediate reinforcement feels really good, but isn't necessarily as important as the long-term reinforcement. And I think the block schedule helps with that, too, since they give you the essential homework problems. I would I would see my students every two days. So they had two days to do the homework. It's mm-hmm. not like they had to do it that night mm-hmm. and then have it ready the next day. They had time to work on it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't they didn't have too many problems listed for them to do either. Yeah, I really like that, that they usually keep it to around seven problems and the review previews are not like the core problems. They're not as heavy on the investigation or the, the needing of a team to really support you. They're more based on the individual can do them in a timely fashion. I think I want to, I want to go back to one of the things that you were saying, Daryl, about it doesn't really matter where you finish. And I, I think one of the things that is really interesting, one of my transitions as I was using CPM and then as I started actually was worked as a writer for a while, is the idea that there's really just this one big, long learning progression. Mm -hmm. And here's all the things we're doing. And then we sort of go, okay, well, you have to only do that. You have to chunk it into days or, you know, like lessons. And so we kind of like put chunks in and, and we chunked it into chapters and we chunked it into other, you know, into Mm -hmm. sections. 
but it really, it's one big long thing. And when you start thinking about like, okay, the learning is going from here to here to here, mm-hmm. and it's not really this, you know, the chunks are kind of arbitrary in some way. And then removing that and changing it into a different kind of chunk for block schedules in some ways is sort of, and or however they get, mm-hmm. right? However far we get, that's the chunk we got today. I think that's a really different way of thinking about math and teaching and lessons, really. It's a very good analogy. If you think about reading a book, you know, you don't have to stop at a chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you yeah. put your bookmark in when you need a break and you <laughs> come back to it and you mm-hmm. really don't lose anything. And it's the same way, mm-hmm. it's the way this material is written. I can imagine that, particularly with only seeing your kids every other day, that in some ways the launch might take on some more importance, right? Of being able to like tap into that prior knowledge and whatever else and set things up for the day. Was there, did you feel like you approached that differently in the, when you were doing a block schedule? I think it gave me the opportunity to, again, go, go back over the previous since they missed the day in between to just take my students back for a moment to what did we do last and give them that opportunity to share and then lead them into now what we're, where we're going today. Yeah, my launches were similar to when I was on a regular schedule because any students who really felt they needed more got it in their teams. So there was a lot of support that happened in there to bring them up to speed. And of course, in a block schedule where you see them every other day, sometimes two times a week or three times a week, if there's an absence in there, it mm. feels like a much bigger hole. And so you really have to set up your teams to trust one another and, and say, hey, fill in the blanks. Well, speaking about collaboration, then, is there anything more that you emphasized or did you emphasize collaboration more or anything that maybe would be different on a block schedule to make that happen? I wouldn't say more. I would say it felt that they could go deeper because they had 85 minutes. So they had a lot more work time. The biggest change for me was I really needed to focus on more transitions, more activities to engage them, more movement. I remember in some of the other subject matters, they would, at 45 minutes, they would let the kids go on a restroom break, right? That was their that was their transition. Okay, let's take a break for five minutes, then we'll come back. Whereas we didn't ever do that in my classroom because we were always moving around. You know, at some point you'd say, okay, let's do a swap meet or let's do a pair share. Or I was fortunate I was in a portable out by the track, so we could do a walk and talk. <laughs> so um, th- that was the main thing is if you try to go 85 minutes of just, okay, let's work on this block of core problems, you know, you're going to get maybe 15, 20 minutes of quality time and then something has to change because they will start to check out. Something that was challenging for me too was that even though I was on block schedule, I had the, like the middle lunch. Mm-hmm. So my students would come, then they would go to lunch, then they'd come back to class. And so to really get them back into (laughs) the lesson mode after eating lunch Mm -hmm. was very challenging. So you have to be creative in planning for that as well. If you have one of those lunches where students, you know, they go away and come back. I So I had middle schoolers and we had, they had two days a week where they would have a 70 minute period. And then the other two days a week were 45 minutes, right? And then one day they didn't have math. And always on the 70 minute periods, I would set a little timer so that we'd have a wiggle break in somewhere in the middle, right? Somewhere 30, 35 minutes in, whatever. And sometimes the, because the timer wouldn't make noise, it would go off and they'd be working so diligently. And I go, maybe I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to disrupt them right now. I'm going to let them keep working invariably within the next two minutes, everything fell apart. Like they were just like, and like, it just all went crazy. 
And so I learned, I'm like, it doesn't matter right now. We're just going to get, because I would do really quick things. We'd stand up, mm-hmm. we'd, you know, write our name in the air with our butts or something. I mean, do some push-ups, whatever we did. Step on your chair nine times, walk around the table, high five three people. It didn't matter. And then they would sit right back down. So it was very, very quick, like 15, 20 seconds, and they'd sit right back down and they'd be like, and then they'd be right back into it. And and it it was always better than deciding like, oh, I'm not going to disrupt them right now. <laughs> They're working so great because it always fell apart. <laughs> yeah, that movement's super important, even as adults, sweetie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. For sure. Yeah. And as a teacher, you can you can tell when things are starting to digress. So yeah, I think and yeah. the students like the brain breaks. Yeah, they're fun. Just do something fun and silly. Well, Daryl and Rhonda, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks so much. We really appreciate your insights and your thoughts. So if you're a teacher who's teaching on a block schedule, you can find that pacing guide in the ebooks and reach out to us at cpmpodcast at cpm.org if you have more questions and we'll put you in touch with somebody. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. announcements, announcements, announcements. So we have some announcements around our professional learning and live events. This summer, if you were involved in the Foundations for Implementation series, you were involved in days one through three in person, or you were involved in sessions one through six virtually. And so now's the time. If you'd go to my.cpm.org, go to the professional learning portal, live events, schedule, and registration. And then you're going to look for in-person days four and five to register for those or for sessions seven, eight, nine, and 10 virtually to register for those. For the virtual events and for the in-person events, you want to register for each event individually. And then also remember, we, we are still offering the content sessions. So each month we do a new chapter. So September's chapter three, October chapter four so on and so on, specific to your course. So please register for those as well. And we look forward to seeing you there. All right, Joel, we have a brilliant plan to get... I want to hear it. To get listeners involved in the podcast. (laughs) Are you ready to hear it? I'm ready to hear it. Okay. You already said you were ready to hear it. Okay. (laughs) So here's our plan. We want to know, why did you become a teacher? Yeah. So if you want to be on the podcast, you can send us a, you got to send us a voice memo, right? So you can record it on your phone. We don't have a number for you to call and record it. We're not as fancy as like the (laughs) Unsavage or any of those other people. So you could record on your phone though, tip to the wise. Yeah or to not less wise, like yeah. hold your phone like a phone and just talk into it. it. It works really well that way. And you can record a voice memo. Tell us, one, mm-hmm. who you are. Two, mm-hmm. where do you teach? Where do you live? That'd be great. And then three, why did you become a teacher? We'd love to hear it. And then, yeah. And then, you know, email it to cpmpodcast at cpm.org. And uh, we'll filter through them. And, and we won't be able to use some of them because, you know, sometimes the quality doesn't come out, but we'll definitely like try to include as many as we can mm-hmm. why people became a teacher. It'd be really fun. Uh, should we have a deadline for this? Um, I, yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> um, uh, probably. Yes, we should probably have a deadline. September, September 
17th. The 17th is a good one. I think that's a Friday. I so, think. I think it is. Maybe. I think I you're know. right. That's a Saturday. Yeah. 17th oh. Saturday. Ooh, okay. But that's Great. a good deadline. I like that. September deadline. 17th. Uh, send us your Why I Became a Teacher voice memo to CPM podcast at cpm.org. Make sure you include your name. If we don't know who you are, we're not going to put you on the podcast. You got to, you got to be, you got to tell us like, who you it's are. Not, it's not anonymous. <laughs> so tell us who you are. Tell us what you did. Awesome. Thank you. So that's a wrap for this episode of the More Math for More People podcast. For more information and to stay connected, you can find CPM on both Twitter and Facebook. The music for the podcast was created by Julius H. and can be found on pixabay.com. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It's going to be September 20th. It's going to be National String Cheese Day. And I just, string cheese plays a big part of my life because I know I always have a big pack of string cheese that I get and I just keep it in the fridge at all times. It's really, when you think about it, string cheese is just so refreshing, really. Like you can just go into the fridge, you can just pull one out, have a quick snack, things like that. It's good for the, the young and the old. I always have string cheese and it just kind of makes me think also just how versatile cheese is. Like you can carry it long distances like the Romans used to. You can, like I said, have it for a quick snack sandwiches, you can put it on chips, there's just so many ways that